Aloha! You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks for making NBA Big Board your first listen every Friday. My guest today is ESPN College basketball analyst and draft guru, Coach Fran Fraschilla. We're going to talk who's number one in the NBA draft, top college prospects that, sc- that Fran has scouted, and Fran's up-close-and-personal visit with the G League Ignite draft prospects. Here we go. All right, and we're back with my good friend, Fran Fashilla. Welcome back, Fran. Chad, it's a pleasure. Happy New Year to you. And uh, we're football, college football's over, and we are focusing on, at least in my case, college basketball with an eye towards June in the NBA draft. Yeah, it's 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 our time, and uh, I, I can feel the sort of energy, uh, you know, starting to grow. And, you know, it starts right at the top of the draft. I think last year, pretty much it was the consensus Cade Cunningham was going to be yeah. the number one pick in the draft. You know, you you cover so many Big 12 games, you got to see a ton of Cade Cunningham. This year, I think from the beginning, there has been some question marks about Chet Holmgren. Is it Paulo Bancaro? Jabari Smith's come on red hot. And and personally, in my opinion, that's my favorite prospect personally yeah. Um, yeah. right now in this draft. I think there's an argument for Jaden Ivey. Uh, coming out of Purdue uh, as well, a little bit different different type of argument. So let's let's just start right at the top. You've had a chance to to see a lot of these guys. I know you've also been breaking down film. This is what you do, Fran. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite draft prospect for the twenty twenty well, NBA draft? My favorite draft prospect, Chad, at this point, and I am not ready to to, to crown him number one yet. I think it's going to come down to Bancaro and Jaden uh, Jabari Smith. And you mentioned Jabari Smith. Uh, I know that Auburn program well. Um, I, to me, at six foot ten, with an incredible shooting stroke, a kid that they tell me in that program is a great kid, great worker. He looks like a future NBA All Star. I saw Kevin Durant as a freshman, so I'm never going to put anybody in that category unless it's warranted. And I don't think it's warranted in this case, but you're looking at, I think, a kid who could be a future NBA All-Star. And I I know a lot of teams are just starting to formulate their boards here in the month before the trade deadline. But I would put Jabari Smith at the top with Paolo Bancaro, too, followed by probably Jaden Ivey, in all honesty. I've seen him three times already. And then we start talking about Chet Holmgren. All right, well, let's let's start with Jabari because he's a unique player. He didn't start number one, I think, on pretty much anybody's boards. I know a lot of yeah. NBA scouts that I talked to when Auburn had their pro day came back from that pro day and said, okay, this kid has a chance. Um, you know, he plays in a little bit of a smaller program in high school. There's some, you know, some, you know, some things that maybe didn't have him quite on the same radar as a Chet or a Paulo Boncaro. The shooting stroke has been incredible. I mean, I think that's the yeah. first thing that sort of pops out at 6'10". Uh, he's not just a good shooter for a big guy. He's a he's a terrific shooter. Um, yeah. The the motor that he plays at is another thing that I just I just absolutely love. It's infectious. And I thought the Alabama game on uh, you know what was that Tuesday? Uh, you know, I think that's going to be evidence one, exhibit one in his case for the number one pick in the draft, because I, I thought that was the best game that I've seen him play um, all year. I'm trying to figure out a comp for him, though, because I don't think Kevin Durant's right. Kevin Durant, I think, was a, a pure, more lethal 
scorer. Uh, I think people yeah. forget what he did at Texas, but you know he was dropping thirty points a night on a regular basis. You know in Texas, and that's not really Jabari's game. Right. He's got that two-way ability, which I think is really, really interesting. He, he to me, feels like he's a 6'10". More, he actually plays to me more like a 6'10 wing than he does a, a, a big guy. And I know he's going to kind of be slated as a four, but that's, at least offensively, that's how I think he plays. Well, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of good stuff on your part. Uh, a lot of it I totally agree with. Um, let me take you back a year ago. I had two different SEC head coaches. And one of them could be Bruce Pearl, but I don't want to give that away. But one of them could be. But two different SEC head coaches told me a year ago that this kid had a chance to be the number one pick. So I started paying attention then and not knowing, you know, not knowing this kid from Atlanta that well. And uh, everything you just said, I think, is a, are, are reasons why he could be the first pick. I watched the Alabama uh, game this morning, and I picked out five plays that I'll probably put on Twitter here in the next 24 hours that – are absolutely amazing plays that translate to the NBA. Uh, the effortless three-point shooting with great shooting form, uh, Chad, great shooting form from a coach's standpoint. Uh, his ability to go one dribble and get 40 feet, uh, you know, to the basket, literally, almost. Uh, the fact that he plays with a high motor, that he can guard different positions. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be the prototypical modern NBA four-man to me. Because as he fills out, I, I've seen him post up. I've seen him play in the mid-range with the foot, with the great foot faking, and of course the great shooting. I've seen him handle the ball in the open court. And um, his Auburn coaches tell me that, to your point about having a great motor, that motor manifests itself on both ends. So I look at Jabari Smith and think like, okay, he's not even turned 19 yet, and at 23 or 24, I could see him being. Um, you know, that modern NBA four-man with another 20 pounds, uh, but basically playing from the outside in because of his great shooting prowess. So uh, I, I, there's things about Bancaro that we can get into that I'll tell you what I like and a couple things I don't like. But I'm not ready to say he's absolutely the number one pick. I would just say if you made me pick today, he's the guy I would take. Okay, well, let's talk about He, he is for me, and, 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 and I think part of it is, again, when you swing for the fences with the number one pick in the draft, of the four guys that we're talking about, he seems to have the high, highest ceiling. If he hits, I don't think he's as far along as Boncaro. Uh, for example, right now, if you ask them to play in an NBA game today, I think Boncaro would be more ready uh, to play in an NBA game today. But that that ultimate upside to me, uh, and I, I'm not sure that's going to change uh, in the next in the next couple of months. But let's talk about Boncaro because you know this is a guy who you can easily plug into the NBA tomorrow. And given his body and his strength and and his feel for the game and his offensive repertoire that he has around him, I think he can he can score 18 points a night in the NBA as a rookie. Yeah. Um, so what's the case for him? And and then you said there's a few things that you don't like about him. Uh, I'm curious to hear curious to hear what what your thoughts are on Boncaro. You know, if if I would give you a comp and say, would you? And maybe let's just take let's take seventy five percent of Carmel, Carmelo Anthony's career. With if you could get that, you'd probably take it in a heartbeat, right? And this this kid reminds me a lot of Carmelo in that he's not the most athletic guy in this draft, and he certainly won't be the most ad- athletic guy in the NBA. He's certainly athletic enough. Don't get me wrong. He's six ten. He can play the point in, in transition. He handles the ball. It's funny when they grab a rebound, they look for him often, Duke. 
to bring the ball up, but he certainly has a good IQ for the game. I love that he can score, uh, you know, at the proverbial three levels. Um, he reminds me of Carmelo from 15 feet and in. He's got a Carmelo type of game with the fundamental footwork and the jab steps. He, he seems to be quicker than people think. There's, there's so much to like about him. That's why I'm not ready to just absolutely call Jabari the number one pick because we're on, you know, we're January 15th and this is when teams start to put together their, you know, their top 50. But I, I, I agree with you. I think the one thing I would be concerned with in a minor way is, you know, who does he guard in situations where he does have to play in switching situations? And so, you know, a little bit of lateral quickness issue for me on the defensive end, but I'm not going to, believe me, as a coach, that's our job to hide that. You know, overall, this kid very easily could be number one and very easily could be rookie of the year. I just think he's a little different than Jabari in the sense that, as you mentioned, he's, he's already ready. I love that he can create for himself and others. And, um, I would take a really hard look at him if I were the team with the number one pick. But as of today, I, I see that amazing upside of Jabari and say, I gave, give him the edge. But, man, I also had DeAndre Ayton over Luka Doncic. So, you know, we, we've all been there and done that. So we'll see how this all plays out the next few months. Well, I had Darko Milicic over Carmelo Anthony. So, um, <laughs> okay. You know. Okay. What do you think of the Carmelo comparison? I, 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 the reason yeah, I, I, he's, he's bigger than Carmelo. Uh, he you is, know, I mean, he, he he's bigger and stronger. He is more a traditional guy who I think can play some five in the league, um, as, as well as four and has that strength. Um, but I think you're right from an offensive standpoint, um, how lethal I think he could be. I, I just worry again that maybe in the NBA, he's not a two way player. Um, and you have to hide him a bit defensively. Uh, and, and again, there's a lot of NBA players that we could say that about who are all-stars, right? So, I mean, it's not like we're downgrading him that way. But I, I do see with Jabari, again, another thing that really stands out is that two-way. I, I think he can be a star both defensively and offensively. And, and I think that's going to be a bigger order for Boncaro uh, in the NBA. Let's talk about the guy who at least seems like he could be a star defensively. The question is offensively, Chet Holmgren. To me, Fran, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I'm not sure. I've I've done this a long time. You've done this a long time. I'm not sure I've ever scouted a player quite like Chet Holmgren. Uh, I, I'm not sure. You know, he's maybe the hardest guy I've ever had to say, okay, this is the comp. This is who um, he's like. He has such a unique set of skills. I think he can be underappreciated because his thin frame, you look at that and say, how is he going to last a minute in the NBA right, right. at 190 pounds? But he's tough. He competes. He's not yes. He's not soft. Um, exactly. And he is very skilled offensively, even though it hasn't quite all come together yet for him at Gonzaga. Um, what do you think? Well, those questions are certainly there. I've been I've been lucky enough to be out there two different times. I've spent three days with him in October at practice. And then I did the Texas game where Drew Timmy went off against Texas. And actually, Chet, I think, had four points. But it wasn't a four points where you go, he can't play. It was just like he didn't need to score that night. Nobody needed to because Texas didn't have an answer for Drew Timmy that night. Um, <clears throat> everything you said about him, if anybody thinks because he's 190 pounds, he's soft, they don't know Chet. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's a marvelous open court athlete for a kid 7-1. Um, there are a lot of things that I think are unique about his game that will eventually translate. Uh, against Alabama in Seattle, I think I counted where he got knocked down to the floor at least six times. <laughs> and, and, and that's a concern. You know, the body balance, the fact that he's got a narrow frame. And 
again, it doesn't mean he's not tough. It just means that I think his body balance would really worry me when he does get banged around in the league. He's a, he's obviously a shot blocker. Um, you know, the shooting is not great right now. Yeah, it looks like he shoots it well, and it looks like they'll let him take it, but he's not very accurate right now. So that has to improve. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I have Jaden Ivory, Jaden Ivy at three because I've seen him close up as I have Chet. And, you know, somebody didn't take Russell Westbrook until the fourth pick. James Harden didn't go number one. Uh, KD went two. Michael Jordan went three. And I look at Jaden Ivy and I think, you know, this kid could be like a, a, a Russell Westbrook type who, not the Russell we're watching now, but the first 10, 12 years, Russell. So, there's things about Chet that will translate, but you're going to have to do a lot of homework on him if you've got the second or third pick and you're thinking about taking him. Well, it's no surprise that Fran Fraschilla, the basketball coach, likes a coach's son uh, in, in Jaden Ivey. His, yeah. his mom, uh, uh, a coach at Notre Dame, a, a coach in the, in the NBA, assistant coach in the NBA, a WNBA player, has a really great pedigree um, that, that he's playing off of. Though when you watch him, that's the part of the game that's still – athletically, um, to me, he, he's an electric athlete. I think there's some John ja Moran in him as well, though maybe not quite as electric as uh, – you know, John ja Moran like levitates. I don't, I don't even know how to describe his athleticism. But um, you can see a lot of that to his game. And if there's anything about Jay Nivey is it seems sometimes like he's going so fast – uh, that he needs to slow that he needs to slow down um, a little bit, and I, I thought in that Wisconsin game, um, which was the big at matchup with Johnny Davis, there were times when he needed to have his head up instead of his head down, uh, and you know some of the decision making is still coming along for him, but the tools athletically, and he's been shooting the basketball this year, which I know coming into this season was one of the question marks about him. At least at least off the catch, he's shooting well. He's, he's still not shooting that great off the bounce. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've seen him in two of the games I've seen him. Uh, one was against Villanova, one was against Florida State. And by the way, two pretty good teams normally. Uh, he made three threes in each of those games. Here's what, here's the negative about him. If you talk to people who saw the USA team, uh, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but they were concerned that he was a selfish player. And I don't find that. I spent a lot of time talking to Matt Painter about this kid. And the one thing he's done with him is, is beautifully handle him. He is to me, to me, Chad. He is the equivalent of John Moran as an athlete, but not in the in the levitation uh, range. In the speed and quickness, this kid has the best start stop ability, change of direction, change of speed ability of anybody I've seen in the last three or four years. He's an electric athlete in terms of speed. The question was, is he going to be unselfish enough to play with all these good teammates he's got? And the thing I think Matt Painter's done a great job of, and we saw this actually in the Mohican Sun tournament, where he would get to the basket and then kick it back out to the three-point line to stop Sasha Stevanovich or one of those shooters. So what Matt Painter has done is said, and in fact, I I know this for a fact. He has told Jaden Hivey at practice, you are going to be a top 10 pick. No matter what happens, you're a top 10 pick. But here's what we need you to do better. And one of those things is, Use that great athleticism to facilitate a little bit more. And sure, he has his moments where he gets a little out of control. But I, I happen to be in love with the kid. And I just think in the open court game of the NBA, assuming some of these things continue to improve, like his shooting and decision making, that he's got that kind of unique athleticism that's going to, you know, he's got a chance to be a star. 
I'm with you. Uh, and, and I absolutely, I, I still think there's a shot, you know, depending on how the second half of the season goes, that he could make the case all the way to the number one pick, depending on who gets yeah. the number one pick and, and, and yep. what their needs are that, um, again, he's going to check the box when we talk about athleticism and elite NBA athleticism, number one, and, and he's a tough kid too. And he, he has a really kind of a better body than John Morant does sort of coming out, um, you know, as well. There's, there's a lot of things to like about him, but you can see there's some polish still for, for Jaden Ivey for sure. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about, about a, a number of the guys that, that Fran has scouted up close and personal uh, this early in this college basketball season. And we're going to talk about some G League guys because Fran uh, went out to the Winter Showcase there, um, was lead analyst uh, for ESPN on that. But before we do it, let's talk about our sponsor, Built Bar. It's the New Year's. So that means New Year's resolutions. Yours is about getting fit or getting healthier. Make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it like other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. But like week three, you may be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, the car, wherever. Throw out all your sugary, calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible, even if you're not a huge fan of working out, or at least you're eating something that tastes good and is good for you. And there's so many flavors to choose from, coconut, almond, peanut butter, uh, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many more. Uh, that coconut's my favorite. It tastes like a Mounds Bar. It really does. It's chewy. It's delicious. It tastes like a candy bar. Uh, Built Bar is always coming out with new and limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to BuiltBar.com, Built.com. Use promo code and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, and I'm back with ESPN college basketball analyst, coach, draft guru, Fran Frischella, longtime friend. So great to have you on. Always love your wisdom. Love listening to you on the telecast. I was joking. I watch a lot of KU games, so we're watching <laughs> a lot of Big 12 together. I get a lot of Fran. Uh, I'm going to start with a couple of um, lottery guys that you've seen a couple of times. And let's start with Kendall Brown, the freshman out of Baylor, which – we, we knew this was a talented kid. We didn't know how he was going to fit exactly as a freshman coming in with, with so many weapons and so many veterans on that Baylor team. Um, he's a starter. He doesn't put up huge offensive numbers, but I mean, this is an elite athlete. Um, he has a great feel for the game. Really curious what you think and where you think he should be in the draft right now. Big fan, big fan. I think his upside is is enormous, uh, Chad. He's a great kid. Um, that's the fun part about my job is I really get to dig in. I've seen Baylor like three times this week, and I'm leaving for Waco tomorrow. And uh, just had Jeremy uh, Suhan on my podcast for today's episode because he's the first Polish kid we've ever had on. And uh, But he and Kendall are, uh, are elite athletes. Kendall, 
everything you said is true. I think Kendall, if there's any negative about Kendall right now is I wish he would force it a little bit more offensively. Um, and and shoot ball, it a little more, right? <laughs> yeah, shoot it a little more. Put the ball up a little bit more. He's got a nice shooting stroke. He's a very deceptive ball handler and passer. He made a pass in the TCU game Saturday, which kind of opens your eyes as a coach. So everything about him is uh, you love. He's not yet. He's got. Uh, he's still only 18 and a half. Um, but uh, you know, he's a guy that could very easily end up fifth, honestly. Uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, I think, is his range right now because – you know he's working hard in a program that that you know develops players. It's proven now under Scott Drew. He's really coachable, um, great family, and then all the gifts that he's been blessed with. And uh, yeah, I think he's it's, he's a six foot eight small forward who's going to be a monster in three or four years as he physically develops and matures. And if there's anything I'd want to see him do a little bit more is be a little more assertive offensively as the season goes on because. He, you, you know he's going to be a good NBA player. It's just a matter of how good, and I think the sky's the limit for him. And it's it's interesting because that's also a plus. He's willing to play within a system. He's not playing hero ball. He's not out there trying to impress NBA scouts. When you watch him, he's always playing within the team system, always within what else is going on out there. But But you're right. This is a guy that you can't just look at his box scores every night and discern things. You have to watch him play and see the decision-making that he has on the court combined with that crazy athleticism. And that's, you know, that's a rare combination when you have elite, elite athleticism and, and I think an elite feel for the game. I, I think he has a great understanding of what he's doing out there. And I, it's the same thing. Like he's shooting well from three point, but I think he's taken like maybe 12, 13 threes, the entire the entire season by at the time of we were, were recording this. So, you know, that's, that's, that's an area where it's a pretty small sample size, but it looks okay. You think the stroke looks okay. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, I always look at it from a coach's standpoint and I know when a shot's broken and I know some shots are broken and you don't change them. And then other shots you say, Hey, once this kid gets into a gym uh, in the NBA and he's not worried about psychology one-on-one um, you know, he's going to become a really good shooter. And this kid, they put a lot of time in away from the, you know, the, the practice time and do a lot of individual instruction at, at, um, at Baylor, you know, exhibit a, B and C would be the three guards last year. Um, and, and so, yeah, he's going to get that it's just a matter of when he gets to the NBA and he's in a 82 game schedule with 200 possessions in a game, he's going to know, like, I got to shoot a lot. They're paying, I'm the fifth pick in the draft for a reason. And they want me to score and I'm, I'm going to have to score. And I think he'll be that way. But right now he's fitting in perfectly. And I think you'll see him be a little more aggressive as the season goes on. But he very easily could be, uh, you know, the fifth pick in the draft to me. I think he's right in that mix, you know, seven, eight, seven, six, five, four. I think he's right in that mix. I, I 100% agree. I, I think it's, it's an, he's to me an obvious, there's those four guys and then there, there's some question marks after that, but he's in the next four or five guys. And then, you know, how you want to kind of create that order, I think will be played out. Let's talk about his freshman teammate who is coming off the bench a little bit more of a surprise that he would be on the NBA radar screen, but I think he's absolutely on it. Uh, and you say it's so, is it Sohan or Sohan? Uh, Suhan. We talked to him today and I said it, I've said, I say it wrong on occasion, but it's Su, Suhan. Uh, Suhan. Suhan. That's it. Hand. Just think of hand. Because I asked him today. I always like to do that. You know, back in the old days when we were in Treviso at the Euro camp, I would go up to kids and say, tell me how you say your name because I'm going to say it draft night. And then David Stern would put out this, you know, the NBA would put out this list of pronunciations. And I'm like, no, it's Mikai Luke, not Mikai Luke, you know. So uh, 
Jeremy told me today it's Suhan. Suhan. Jeremy Suhan. And by the way, uh, our listeners can go listen to that podcast over at, uh, tell us the name of your podcast again. Uh, World, World, World of Basketball, wherever you get your podcast, we have it up, up on Sirius XM, Apple, Spotify. And, you know, I love, I love doing it. You've been a guest. You'll be on, you'll be on here soon. And I just like bringing people. I like shrinking the basketball globe, you know, NBA, college, EuroLeague. The Aussies, you know, the, I just had Pat, we just had Patty Mills on and then Boban Marjanovic, who you and I remember. In fact, both of those guys were at Eurocamp. They were. And, and you yeah. know, this is where Fran and I really got to know each other well. <laughs> We'd be over at Treviso eating pasta and watching uh, a little bit of basketball. He was coaching a little bit of basketball um, yeah. over there. Uh, and, and it was some of my favorite all-time moments, maybe, maybe really my favorite all-time moments in ever covering the draft or those early years over at the Eurocamp and... Uh, you know, all the close friendships that were made uh, there. So, so Suhan, yeah, is that right? Yeah, Suhan. You got it. Very good. Very um, good. Yeah. You know, I uh, had this iconic hairdo and then shaved it all off the other day, which really, really threw me off. But um, where, uh, where do you see him in the draft right now? Because this seems like a very versatile big guy. He is. And this is your class. First of all, let's tell people about him a little bit. Born in Oklahoma, his mom was a, small college player from Poland who somehow got a scholarship to Panhandle State, um, met, met his dad. Um, they didn't stay together. He went, she, they went back to England, mom and son, and uh, she remarried. And uh, Jeremy grew up like most British kids, although he's Polish, but kids growing up in England, he played rugby, he played soccer, he played basketball. And so, um, you know, he came on the scene at, at the under-16 uh, Euro, European Championships was the MVP to B division. And uh, uh, one thing led to another. And now he's at Baylor. Okay. That's the short hand. And uh, what he is, is he's 18 and a half. He's a six, nine athlete. He's not quite as polished as uh, uh, Kendall is. Um, he might be in some ways as good or better a defender. Um, he's a good rebounder. He plays with toughness. There's a lot to like about him. And he's your classic case if he were to stay in the draft, and Chad, you know this even better than I do because you talk to these guys all year long, a team is going to tell his agent, if, if we got 23, we're taking him. And the agent's going to find out that it's somebody at 21 is going to make a promise. And, you know, I kind of hope he stays another year and dominates uh, the Big 12 in college basketball. I'm sure that's the case. And that still might be the case because we don't know how serious this ankle injury is, but his long-term prognosis in the NBA is very, very good. And I think he's a little bit more of a power player than Kendall, a little bit more of a four than a three, but they really play like twins. And they, you know, minus the haircut, I couldn't really tell them apart very quick, easily when I went to practice. So uh, phenomenal young man, again, in a great program that values work. And uh, he certainly put the work in early. And I, I would see him, you know, he's going to go in the middle of the first round you know, no further, no, no lower than 25 in a draft like this, but it remains to be seen how the ankle comes along and whether he wants to stay and continue to develop in college. Of course, that's always the issue with these kids with long-term potential. Yeah. And that's you right before he heard his ankle. Uh, I, I put together my big board, generally talking to NBA scouts, general managers, and I, w I was shocked. He ended up 14 on my board, which just goes to sort of show you they're on him. Uh, they see him and, and it's also because some of the other 
top freshmen that we had ranked higher, higher have struggled this this year, and and and, and he's really shined. And, and I actually absolutely think it's easy to see how his game translates at the next level as well. Which for some of the other guys, it, it is a little bit of a tougher call. Say, let me say one more thing about him because this is something that when the, the people that really value and listen to your podcast, you, you do such a great job of educating everybody. There's 28 G League teams right now. So if you're in the Atlanta Hawks and you take Jeremy Suhan with the number one pick, much like last year with uh, Sharif Cooper and, uh, you know, the kid from Duke, uh, uh, Jalen Johnson, you know, Jeremy, I don't think you can put Jeremy in an NBA game yet, but it doesn't mean you don't want him in your on your roster, you know? And so, you know, that's the kind of kid, that's the kid that throws, that's the kid from Overland Park, Kansas, who throws 99 miles an hour in high school. Doesn't mean that when he signs with the Cincinnati Reds that he can put him in a major league game, but you, you're so you're sure glad you have him in your farm system. And I think well, so we saw many, the Spurs do that with Josh Primo, right? Exactly. Like, there there exactly. was no question Josh Primo was not ready for the NBA, and people right. gasped a little bit when they took him that high. But the Spurs are thinking three years from now, yes. not not today. That's exactly um, right. And we saw Josh in in uh, when I saw him in Vegas, man. Um, and I know he's just hit a buzzer beater here for the Spurs. I mean, kid's probably 19 or 20, but he's got enormous upside. And that's how a kid like Jeremy is going to be looked at by the teams. Yeah. Uh, Josh was the youngest player, I believe, in, in, the, in the draft last year. Um, let's, let's go to Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, my listeners know I'm a Kansas fanatic. That's my team. Grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, lifelong fan. Watch pretty much every KU game. They also know when they hear me that, that because it's almost like my own kids, I'm harder on... Kansas players, they may ask because I get emotionally invested. I get frustrated with them at some time. So I've been an Abaji skeptic um, because I've watched him for three years at Kansas and he's always looked the part. Physically, he's looked the part of an NBA player from day one at Kansas, but he hasn't played the part. And, and honestly, he didn't get much of a sniff from NBA teams when he tested the waters as a junior. He's been fantastic uh, for Kansas this year. But he's 22 years old. He doesn't do it until his senior year. I'm curious what you think about him. Because I, I believe, and I could be wrong, Fran, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I heard you early on say, I don't think Kansas has any real NBA draft prospects this year early in the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I meant by that, let me, let me tell you about Ochai. I think when I say that, I have to keep reminding myself, well, first of all, he's definitely getting drafted. There's no question. I, I probably said... They don't have any surefire NBA prospects because he's he's definitely getting drafted and he's probably going to be in that 20 to 40 range. Although, honestly, I think 20 is high. Um, and I'll tell you why. And I think I think Christian Brown, if he if, we, if he would have stayed in, gets drafted in the second round also. Um, it, and again, to educate your listeners, it's a lot easier to make an NBA roster than it was 10 years ago because – Chad, you remember 10 years ago, it was like 13, 14 spots, and then 15, and now 17 with the two-way guys. And, of course, this year with COVID, the with COVID, everybody, everybody you know, uh, you know, God, I mean, uh, you know, Danny Manning can still play in the league, and I love Danny to, to mention Kansas. But so with Ochai, I will say this about him. Here's the upside. He's absolutely handled being the go-to guy and he is not afraid to take big shots. He started that with Michigan State. It's his team. He's playing 35 minutes a night. He's shooting it great. Um, but, the, but the same question marks, because when you see a great athlete, you automatically think great defender, and he's not a great defender. Bill Self will 
remind him of that every day in practice. And also, he doesn't get to the foul line much. He doesn't handle the ball in in the sense in the sense of making plays for himself or others off the dribble. Could he be a three and hopefully a D guy? Yes. I think the shooting is NBA level. The other issues, I think, are going to manifest themselves, and he's going to continue to prove that. And then being a little older, that doesn't bother me as much because of Buddy Heald and, you know, McDermott and all these other guys that end up being good NBA players. But I, I just don't see him in the lottery like I've seen some of these mock drafts. And um, I think I think Ochai could easily be a first-round pick towards the end of the round. Um, and there's a chance he could go in the second round. And there's a very good chance Chad will be on a roster next year. But, you know, I think Ochai's issues are still the same as they were, minus that he's put that team on his back. They don't have a lot of pro prospects, and he's playing the best he's played uh, of his career. Well, let's talk about Christian Brown because his whole game changed this year from kind of a guy who just spots up and shoot threes uh, to, you know, his three-point percentage, I think – you know, last year was something like 70% of his shots were threes, and that's dropped down to like 30% of his shots this year. He's putting the ball in the deck. He's getting the basket. He's also um, become a bit of a two-way player for them defensively um, as well. I've been I've been really impressed with him, and he he just, where Abaji, it's like, this is what we always hoped you would be, and now you're sort of becoming it. Braun looks like a, I don't know what what he did this summer, um, or maybe it's just the way Bill Self's asked him to play differently, but he looks like a completely different basketball player. Well, I'll tell you what I like about him. He plays, he's, he's, he thinks he's the best player on the court and he thinks you stink, you know, and he plays that way. You know, he does. He got that chip on his shoulder, which I think is serving him well. Um, you know, if, if I were to compare him and give a comp, I mean, I hate to do it because of the same racial makeup, but, you know, uh, Austin Reeves, although Austin was a point guard, uh, maybe an Alex Caruso type. Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll give you a name here because you're a KU fan, a Travis Relaford type. Um, he's a jack of all trades as a wing player. His shooting still has, he's still not a knockdown shooter. And, and partly because he doesn't want to take a lot because he's getting better going to the basket. I think he's, I think he can make an NBA roster. I think he, I think he would be drafted in the second round. Um, again, 17 guys on a team, tough kid, uh, big guard, can guard, you know, twos and threes. Um, you know, I, I, I like him. I don't, I don't love Christian as an NBA player. I love, love him as a college player because I got to do 10 more Kansas games. So he's going to hear this, but, uh, I, I think he'll make a team someday. I, I don't, I don't have, I wouldn't have him in the first round right now. He's going to dunk on somebody just because you, you, you yeah. said that. And this is one thing we like about Kansas. Oh, he might look uh, over at, he's the kind of guy I, this happens twice a year. Guys will come running by me, looking at me with a scowl, like, I heard what you said about me. And he, he definitely would do that. There's no question. But that's what, makes him, that's what makes him a guy that could probably make an NBA team, you know, in the near future. All right, before we move on to the G League, guys, I want to head over to Memphis for a minute. Penny Hardaway's team. They've been a disappointment as far as winning basketball games. Let's talk Jalen Duran, a guy who reclassified, was really at the top of his class. One of the youngest players, uh, he'll likely declare for the draft and will be one of the youngest players in this draft. Doesn't look like physically one of the youngest players in this draft. He looks like he's already a 26-year-old NBA veteran um, out there. What, What do you think about him in the draft right now? This is a guy that I feel scouts are very, very polarized on, and it's tough because he's young. 
Um, and, and that, you know, that's part of it, but a lot of mixed opinions, whether he's a top five guy, whether it's more like mid first round type guy, doubt he slips much past that given his age, but that's still a pretty big range, you know, five to 15. Yeah, it's tough. I saw him in Brooklyn early twice. Um, I feel for the kid. I, I hate to say it this way. I wish he'd have stayed in high school, stayed at Montverde or wherever he was. And, you know, um, I think he's. I think right now he, he's going to play in the league. He's going to get chances to stay in the league a long time, because of his size, his rebounding, his potential shot blocking ability. Um, they everybody tells me he's a great kid. I check with people in Philly. Everything checks out. Seems like he has a good work ethic. I've watched him practice. Um, I you know they've got a mix of older guys and young guys. And if I recall, Chad, in doing those games this year. I don't, and I know now. I know now. It's coming back to me. Neither he or Monty Bates didn't show up in Memphis until late summer, so they didn't have the benefit of that June, July with their teammates. And so, I understand there's been some friction in that regard. But let's get back to Jalen. I just think he's going to end up being a, you know, an NBA defensive-oriented center type, run the floor, screen and roll, block some shots, rebound. I just don't know when it's going to happen for him. I don't know if it's going to happen as a rookie. Uh, people compare him to Bam. I think Bam was more advanced even at Kentucky at the same stage, you know, probably a year older too. So he's not going to slip past 15, obviously, because of the who's going to be there. Uh, and, and some team, you know, from 7, 8, 9, 10 on down, who's supposed to be in a playoff team, is, may get a kid who's a gym. But, you know, right now I think the start to his college career has not been – in his best interest as far as getting drafted in that top five. One, one thing that is just a little bit frustrating, he had this rep a little bit in high school too, is there's times that he goes hard, but there's times that he's clearly not going hard. Um, and with, with his body and his physical strength and athletic tools, he shouldn't disappear. Uh, and there's times that you don't know that he's on the court. And there's other times that you absolutely do. And so here's another cop and, and don't, don't Instagram me or TikTok me, Kwame. But, you know, I've had other people say, like Kwame Brown, who look who has had a long career. He wasn't the number one pick, should not have been the number one pick in the draft, but has had a long career in the NBA, um, is, is maybe a better look at what he might end up being uh, in the pros. And, and again, if, if you take away number one pick and all that aura from Kwame Brown, you know, he had a solid and a long NBA career. Josh Minot. I want to talk about him because, you know, when, when Memphis did their pro day, a lot of scouts were like, that kid, uh, it, you know, could be could be special. Everybody was on Monty and Jalen Duran, but that kid could be special. He's worked his way into the starting lineup now. Uh, great athlete. Curious what your thoughts are on him. Uh, you know what? He's one of those kids when he's 26 years old, you go, wow. Remember when he didn't know what he was doing at Memphis that freshman year? Because, um, and I say that, I don't say that negatively at all. He is, uh, he is an elite, you know, there's, there's NBA athletes and then there's unique, elite NBA athletes. And Josh is potentially someday an elite NBA athlete. He just, you know, God gave him ability to jump out of the gym and probably touch the top of the backboard. And there's other things about him that, you know, it doesn't look like he can be a, he looks like he can be a good shooter someday. He's got good instincts for the game. Uh, there's a there's a lot to love here. This is the classic case of projection versus, uh, uh, or I should say, production versus projection. You know, and when you project Josh Minot out and you have a pick in the first round, 
He's absolutely a first-round athlete uh, who you're going to wind up playing in, uh, you know, in Birmingham or, you know, with the main Celtics or some other G League team, but you're going to be glad he's on your roster uh, because he is such a good athlete and he is now with, with some of the things happening at Memphis getting a chance to play more. And when I saw him practice and play in Brooklyn, my first reaction was, I just hope this kid is patient with his own game and the people around him are. But, hey, we know that if he puts, a, puts his name in the draft, that there's a chance he's going to get taken you know, in that first round. There's no patience in the NBA. No, I know. <laughs> I, mean, I know it. I know and, it. And, and it's so funny, too, because we want to draft all these guys young. But then if they don't, you know, like Jalen Smith out of, out of Phoenix, if they don't yeah. hit right away, then people write him off. And then all of a sudden, wait, in year two, Jalen Smith yeah. gets some time. It's, it's a funny, funny thing that we're involved in. Well, speaking yeah. of no patience... We're going to talk about the G League Ignite next. Uh, Fran Fraschilla out there, uh, I, 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 he was the lead analyst for the, what is that, the showcase, the yeah. Winter Showcase. Winter, winter Showcase, yep. Winter, winter showcase, showcase for the G League Ignite. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk uh, his impressions, uh, Jalen Hardy and others, when we come back. All right, we're back, and uh, Fran, you got the chance to get up close and personal with, you know, about, what, 10, 11, no, no, about 14 games. I think they've played about 14 games yeah. at the time or uh, that that you were there. So, and, and this is a big, let's just start with the caveat, right? It's a big leap to go from high school to the G League. You watch, you cover a lot of college games. You also were the lead analyst for those G League games. Let's start with, in your mind, how does that level of competition compare to if Jaden Hardy had, you know, went to North Carolina or, um, you know, to Duke or someplace like that? Because I, I think it's easy to get frustrated with these kids a little bit and forget that they're playing against guys who are NBA players, um, who are four or five, six years older than them. Uh, you know, what? what's your sort of read now that you got to cover the showcase and the level of competition that they're playing against, against, uh, you know, compared to these college freshmen? Well, because I'm, I, I'm in delving college basketball so much, I'm not a hater. Like, I, I coached 18 guys who ended up in the NBA. There's different ways to get there. You know, we've seen it with the NBL. We've seen it with Europe. We've seen it now with the G League. And uh, I think all the all these kids that are on that G League team would all be college stars. There's no question. Uh, you know, Daniels and Jaden Hardy and, of course, uh, Scoot Henderson's. Gosh, can't say enough about him. We could talk about him at the end, but because uh, we're going to be talking about him a lot next year. But no, I think it's great. You know, I think it's a different way for them to get there. They get paid more money. Not always, by the way, from be, between the G League and some college programs. I know, but for the most part. Um, and now it's going to be interesting. Let me just say this, Chad. It's going to be interesting to see how the Ignite team and program goes forward with the advent of NIL in college, because now you can have the best of both worlds if you're a kid that goes to Duke or Kentucky or Auburn or Kansas or wherever. But having said that, uh, I was impressed with all those kids. Every one of those kids will be drafted. Most of them, will, you know, at least uh, at least three of them are going in the first round. And the guy that I was partial to the most was the least well-known. I know you've heard this from scouts. Uh, Marshawn Bochamp from Seattle. That, kid, that kid's got, you know, NBA 12-year role player, 
fourth starter, playoff team kind of guy written all over him. Uh, 6'6", can play, you know, defense, plays hard. He's athletic. He's probably not He's not going to go probably as high as, Jay, uh, as Hardy or Dyson Daniels, but that kid jumped out, I think, at a lot of people and impressed him. There's going to be a lot of background done on him because he went to four high schools and but everybody, everybody with the program, you know, Sharif uh, Abdul Rahim, who runs it, Rod Strickland, they all love the kid. Um, but anyway, go down the list because I love all of them. I think all of them are going to play in the NBA, and a couple of them have a chance to be, you know, stars. Well, you're right in that from the feedback that I got from NBA teams and asking who was the guy that impressed you the most, um, if that's the question, I, I think it was Marjan, no, no question. So let's talk about Jaden Hardy, who – Coming into the season, one of the top-rated high school players in the country, a potential number one pick, has big shoes to feel. Phil and Jalen Green, you know, sort of the same. They're not the same player because he's not nearly the athlete that Jalen Green is, but they play the same position, and they're both they're both fluid scorers. They they do it a little differently, uh, and he struggled out of the gate, especially with his shot, which is one of the things I think out of high school that we thought was one of his strengths. Um, was shooting the basketball, but it seems like he's having a hard time getting good shots. Well, I, I like him. I like him. I think that he's a kid that if he's after those guys that we talked about are gone and we're talking about eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, I think, I think he's going to go with, I think he's going to go to a war and I don't know him as well as a kid off the court. So I got to put that caveat on there. Kid out of uh, Coronado high school in Vegas. Um, but I, I personally liked him. I, I was probably predetermined not to like him. Because I heard he'd been, he was selfish. One of the great things about the G League, Chad, that I really, and I talked to Dyson Daniels about this, who's going to be on next week's podcast. In a 48 minute G League game, much like an NBA game, there's plenty of time to share the sugar. Like, there's plenty of time for Jaden Hardy to go off in the second quarter. Then he sits down and Dyson Daniels comes in and Bo Champ. And that's what I saw out of the G League team. It was a very, I don't want to say unselfish team, but they seemed like they liked playing together. Jaden Hardy right now is shooting 88% from the foul line, so I'm not worried about his shooting. He also has an NBA skill at six foot five or so. He creates his own shot. You don't have to run a play for him. He'll get a good shot. And uh, I think he likes playing basketball. So I think he's one of those kids that, you know, kind of gets maligned a little bit because he's got that AAU rep, but he's talented. And uh, does he go and, five? And he's coming off his best game, uh, you know, ah. according to this pro- podcast against Mexico City where – Cool. It seems that he's starting to figure out some things as well and diversifying yes. his offense a little bit and, and sort of recognizing how defenses are playing him now and that he's got to diversify some things. And I think that's the thing scouts wanted to see. Okay, it's fine to come in and and find out that what you were able to do in high school you can't do at the G League level um, anymore. And are you, can you make the adjustments as a player, right? Because this is going to happen when you get to the NBA as well. They're going to take things away from you. You're going to have to make adjustments. And I, I think that if there's a big positive in Jaden Hardy, watching him in the, against Mexico City, it seems like, for me, that was the most impressive I've seen him making those adjustments uh, and, and starting to find multiple different ways to impact the game. And if he can do that all, all season, I think he'll be right back up there in the conversation in that, that 5 to 10 range. I agree. I agree. You know, there's a lot to like about him. If he ends up dropping to 10, 11, 12, and somebody's probably got a, you know, a someday proven NBA scorer because the kid knows how to score. And, uh, and he, I've watched, I watched him closely. He's not afraid to give the ball up. Uh, he'll pass it. 
uh, again, he looks like an MB- he looks like a 19 year old NBA player to me. I actually think he he's he's more willing to do that than Jalen Green ever was uh, at 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 at, a, at the G League. So you know, the one thing he's just missing is that otherworldly athleticism that Jalen Green does bring to the table. Let's talk about Dyson Daniels because he's a little bit of a difficult guy to figure out. Uh, you know, he's a he he sometimes plays point guard for them. Uh, he you know he's a small forward. He's a three and D guy, but not really with a three yet. Uh, you know, part of his game. What what did you think about Dyson Daniels? Uh, guy, hey, he's got everything to be a good NBA player. Uh, he's got to continue to improve his shooting, and he told he told us that on the podcast. Um, it doesn't look broken. It's it's probably a matter of reps, but he plays with maturity. You know he's not as he's not quite as big as as Josh Giddy, but they're similar in many ways. Uh, we know the Aussie kids are tough as nails. Um, there's a there's a lot to like. He can play point. He can play two. The shooting's got to get better, as I said. Um, he plays with maturity. He sees the floor. He plays hard on defense. He's a good kid. Again, you're talking about a kid that's uh, going to be 19, a little over 19 when he gets drafted, and it's apparent uh, it's apparent that. You know, the pedigree, you know, coming from the same NBA Global Academy program as Josh Josh Giddy is going to probably – it's probably going to help him move up two or three or four slots, to be honest, Chad. Uh, uh, but I think he's going to be a good for player. You? You, think he's a, you think he's a lottery pick? Yeah, I think he's in that range. I do think he's like, you know, bottom end to me. I, again, I haven't started to put together my list, but yeah, as, as – uh, by the way, as, as, these, as your listeners may not know, I mentioned this early uh, – you know, teams are just starting to put together their top 30, their top 50. They came in off the road after the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. And you got that, you got the, the you know, obviously the trade deadline coming up. So GMs want to know, hey, listen, we have the 17th pick. Is there anybody we can get there? Otherwise, we're going to trade it. And and so, you know, that's happening a lot. But, yeah, I do think he's in that range. I would say comfortably 20 on down to 10. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's That's where I have him as well. Uh, Michael Foster Jr. Uh, you know what? Kind of nice. I, I liked him. Uh, you know, he play. He's. It seems like there's probably a little bit of maturity that's needed, uh, as far as uh, you know, on the court stuff. Got a hot temper, but I was a guy that recruited Ron Artest to St. John, so I'm. You know, I love guys like that who play with that kind of motor. But uh, no, in all honesty, I like the kid. I. I he's six nine, legit. Plays hard. Can rebound it. He's he's more skilled offensively than uh, I think we realized. He's had some good moments in the G League. Um, I, I'm not going to be. I think I think I see the mock drafts have him in the early second. But you know they had Isaiah Stewart in the early second forever, and a couple of these mock drafts didn't even have Kai Jones in their top sixty until December. So I think that kid's a good prospect. I think he's going to play. I think Michael Foster is going to play in the league and plays with good toughness and he can rebound the ball. Don't read the mock drafts, friend. I unless don't. It's, I try unless not it's to. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, read that one. But uh, even I, I, and I haven't even done a mock draft yet, in part because it's you know mocks to me are about what players do teams like, and I, I think to your point, and this is correct, it, that's a very wide open discussion right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know these teams aren't monoliths; they have multiple scouts with multiple opinions. They'll argue up until draft night sometimes no about, about these guys. Um, and so it's very hard in January to to really sort of know where where guys are at. Let's let's end, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. 
Go ahead. You, you are because Fran knows his international stuff as well. We didn't do international guys today, but I, I'm I'm going to mention one international guy that I bet Fran knows, Victor Wimbayan Wimbayama, uh, and you you know him, uh, Scoot Henderson, who Ooh. you got to see um, at G League, uh, 2023 draft shaping up to be. Um, you know, pretty exciting because both of those prospects look like clear tier one uh, potential superstar type prospects. So you got to see Scoot do his thing at 17 years old in the G League. I know you've seen Victor play and, you know, a freakish size and length. And if you think Chet Holmgren is kind of a freak, wait till you see Victor uh, put you on the spot. They're both in the draft this year. Who's the number one pick in the draft? I can't pick one yet, Chad, but I will say this about Scoot because I did see him. Uh, 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 I'll tell you, Scoot Henderson's got air. He's got, I think you just think, I hate to say it this way because I hate to do this, but I just think young Derek Rose. Yeah. You know, I think I mean, that's, that's the right comp. Yeah. I mean, that kid has got so much natural ability plus feel for the game, skill level. Um, he's a prodigy, you know, I mean, I don't. I haven't seen Victor in in uh, in two years, so I, it's hard for me to tell how much improvement. I know he's getting time in in, in pro A, but th this kid is really a prodigy. Uh, Scoot Henderson. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know much about him honestly. And then when I watched him in uh, the G League, there, he's a he's a prodigy. He's he's a pro. I don't know if he's Luka Doncic like prodigy, but um, and Kevin Durant was the same way as a college freshman. But that kid's in that ballpark. He's, he not, might be. He's, not, he's not on the outside looking in. He's on the inside looking out. Yeah. yeah. And if for those of you, our listeners that haven't heard the podcast with Howard Beck, who did an in-depth feature from Sports Illustrated yes. um, yep. with him and his family and did a great job. There's a whole podcast on on Scoot and, and, and what he learned. But there are, there are talented basketball players and then there are prodigies. And, and there's something that's almost like they were born with a gift. Uh, not only to play the game, but to feel the game, see the game, what have you. And, and Scoot Henderson looks like he is going to be um, one of those guys. Fran, always appreciate you uh, coming on the show and, and dropping so much wisdom. Always love the stories and the scouting report. We'll bring you back when it gets close to the draft and you've seen all of these guys again. And, um, and just really appreciate your time and want to put push one more time your podcast because you see you got Dyson Daniels coming on. Yeah. Uh, you got Jeremy Suhan coming on. Uh, that's the world of basketball. World, is that right? World, yeah. World of basketball. You know, we, we yeah. cover every corner of the globe except Antarctica. And it's, uh, it's uh, anything from NBA college players, you know, Kofi Coburn's been on, uh, uh, you know, we've had Patty Mills recently, coach Messina from everywhere, you name it. Uh, the great Kyle Hines, one of the champions of European basketball, we just cover every gamut of, of international basketball, Chad. And uh, thanks for letting me mention it. You know how much you and I love the international game. Yeah. We kind of grew up with it the last 20 years. So fun to do and fun to stay connected to uh, basketball around the world, as you and I see it shrinking year by year. Yeah. He's Fran Frischel, everybody. You'll, you'll hear him all season long. He's college basketball analyst on ESPN. And you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.